Como se vaya? If y'all not Cajun or don't know Cajun French, that means how you doing? This is Zach Duval with Cajun Lures, and y'all listening to the Fisherman Journals podcast. What's going on, fishing folks? Welcome to another episode of the Fisherman's Journal Podcast, where we talk fishing with some of the best in the business. So right now, grab a cold one, keep driving, or finish up your work, whatever you're doing, and enjoy this week's podcast episode with our special guest. What's going on, fishing folks? Welcome to another exciting episode of the Fisherman's Journal. I am the host, Daryl Bars, and I have a really good co-host with me today. Um, he is the owner and, and creator behind Cajun Lures. But I'm going to you know, put everything over him, give him the mic, and let Zach, I'm going to let you tell me exactly, or tell the listeners exactly who you are and what you're about. Well, as you know, my name is Zach Dubois. Uh, I live in, live and I'm born and raised in Kaplan, Louisiana, which is South Louisiana, uh, I guess the kind of the Acadiana area in Vermeer Parish. So we're kind of the, uh, in our area, the, uh, I guess you could say more of the Southwestern Cajuns. But, uh, so it's kind of, you know, we got different Cajun cultures all throughout Louisiana. So that's kind of where I'm at as far as region wise. But, uh, anyway, I, uh, you know, we, where I'm from, where I live, we got, more saltwater fish in our area, but I actually grew up bass fishing with my dad a lot uh, in Toledo Bend. He would always fish there, and he would have tournaments and stuff. We'd go there, so we'd always kind of go up there as a family and fish in a few other lakes. And then, uh, and then I think it was uh, right when we started. When I started high school, my parents bought a camp up there on on the lake in uh in Toledo Bend and kind of ever since then I just grew up fishing over there so I was really always into bass fishing and and uh even crop fishing or we call them sockele which is uh Cajun the Cajun French uh, term for it and so basically I just grew up bass fishing mostly and I'm a bass fishing bass fisherman by 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 heart and passion and and trade and uh you know, I was on the UL Lafayette uh, bass team when I was going to college. So I was on the co- collegiate circuit, and uh, then it kind of just all spawned into me starting my own lure company. And so now today I have Cajun Lures. <laughs> now, with Cajun Lures, of course, a lot of people, you're in Louisiana, and a lot of people consider Louisiana the fishing capital of the world or of the United States or however you want to put it. Anyways, there's a lot of good fishing in Louisiana. So when you started Cajun Lures, what was the motivation behind it? Why did you say, I want to start a, a lure company that could you know, compete with some of the other lures on the brand out on the market right now? Well, it kind of, kind of started, I guess, in college, um, kind of throughout my life. I always was interested in, one business, you know, I always kind of just like the concept business, 
you know, I'd kind of read little things here and there, you know, kind of growing up and stuff. So I always said to myself, you know, I'd like to own some sort of business one day, whether it be big, small, whatever. But uh, when, when I started school, I went to school uh, for industrial design, which is what I graduated in. And industrial design is basically, uh, it's kind of a mix of engineering and creativity and art. So, it, you know, we were in the arts program, but what we learned is basically how to, I like to call it like glorified inventing in a way, because we learn how to mm -hmm. uh, generate ideas or products that people interact with in the real world. So you learn how to, you know, create ideas for concepts of, for products, um, you know, visualizing it. And then also once you have an idea for the product, you have to learn how you're going to make it. So how it's going to be manufactured, uh, different processes for, you know, certain products. You might need a CNC or a plastic products. You know, there's so many different ways. So you kind of learn the full, the full scale, what you need to know of how to design and create products. So as I was kind of going through the program and stuff, kind of started learning a few more things such as uh, like 3D modeling and uh, sketching by hand, free drawing, so I can kind of generate ideas, uh, kind of get ideas out of my head onto paper kind of thing, you know, and just kind of through, through, as I went through the program, I learned more and more. Well, and at the same time, I was on the bass fishing team. And I started always, you know, I always for some reason had a fascination with fishing lures because I'm, I'm learning about products and everything. So I, uh, I just, for some reason, I had a fascination with fishing lures, whether it was crankbaits, soft plastics, uh, anything really. And I'd always be looking at like Tackle Warehouse's website, just browsing, not necessarily buying anything, but always looking what's the cool, new, innovative stuff. and and everything and then um and then so as i kind of learned how to make kind of start making baits i kind of gravitated more towards soft plastic and i just prefer i like the medium of plastics as a product um you know and how to make them and everything and what i guess really got this started was when i learned how to 3d model fairly well i kind of sat down and i created a little design on my computer of a crawfish lure and I 3D printed it at school on a 3D printer and made a, and then casted it with like a little, made a silicone mold out of it and went, went to our camp up there and grabbed a bunch of old zoom worms and melted them down in the microwave in our kitchen, uh, which my mom didn't like too much and, uh, basically poured them into my little silicone mold and made a crawfish bait and then went out on the water the next morning and fished it around and caught some fish on it. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. I've created a product that it worked. It caught a fish, you know, it did what I intended it to do. And kind of at that point I got, I guess I got hooked on that. So that's why I, I guess I gravitated towards soft plastics a lot more. And, uh, and then, so just basically learning the processes of designing and manufacturing and, kind of getting more and more in depth with designs of the plastic and then even learning, um, uh, how to, uh, 
basically like how the designs work, you know, moving through the water, knowing what parts of a bait create this sort of effect and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm just basically always exploring and trying to innovate within, uh, within soft plastics and stuff. And that kind of led me to where I'm at. And then kind of after I graduated, that's where I was like, well, you know, it's something I always had in my back of my mind. So I was like, well, I like to fish and I kind of want to do some little business and, so I just started Cajun Lures, and that's what kind of got me started in the in the baits, you know, just basically always having a a desire to put possible, you know, within soft plastic mm-hmm. lures. So it's fun. I enjoy it. So with the lure making process, is it still the same? Do you still uh, make a 3D you know, print? Do you, do you 3D print the actual first um, initial lure and then you cast it and then that's what you do to to make more lures how does the, the, the lure making process work for you now well typically what i'll do is uh you know if i'm de- if i'm designing a lure from scratch basically from a fresh idea i'll one first of all sit down and kind of think about it um i kind of look at what's on the market you know uh kind of see what other designs they have, like what sort of little features they might have and this and that, and then kind of pull from all of it and start basically drawing on paper, just start sketching out ideas of of maybe certain actions that I want. Um, first of all, when I think about that, I usually kind of pull from my fishing experience. For example, you know, sometimes they might want a more erratic action type lure like such a say like a swimming crawfish but at the same time you might encounter situations where the fish want a lure that might not have as much action or you know you know there as a fisherman you know you always have these certain situations you might find yourself in so i think back situations where they might want this they might want that or because this bait had this maybe they didn't bite it etc so i kind of always keep that in mind and then so I basically sit down, sketch out some ideas, and then I'll just start. I, I usually I get in my on my computer and I start doing working up a a model of some sort, and you know just basically making the shape of it, kind of just get some ideas going with that. So I'll, you know, I'm, and I'll 3D print a version of it, and um, I'll I'll like I said, I'll do a little silicone mold with that little 3D printed version, try it out. I have my neighbors have a swimming pool, so I'll go in their pool and try it out, throw it in the water, see how the action is. Uh, Is the action what I want? Is it what I'm looking for? Or maybe if it's not quite there, if I want a little more kick in the feet or the legs or anything like that, then I'll just kind of refine it from there and kind of repeat the process until I get where I want. And then once I have my finalized design of it, I'll, uh, I'll take my my information I have on it, the model and everything, and I'll source uh, getting a mold made somewhere. Usually it's made out of aluminum or steel and sometimes, and uh, it's CNC cut on a CNC machine, you know, the machine shop somewhere or or uh, some, some mold. They got a few mold makers around the United States, and shoot, uh, they'll send me back a prototype mold of, of how it's going to look because sometimes it looks different. Uh, you know, from the silicone rough version, 
to the nice and clean CNC mold and uh, get back that and I'll try that out and I'll say yes to go and then I uh, get my molds made and I start making the bait. Good deal. Now, the baits look fantastic, but I want to get into something that I don't think a lot of people will actually pay attention to. Well, they pay attention to it because we're anglers, but the the lure color selection that you have is amazing. I think they look fantastic. Um, I have some favorite colors myself, but when it comes down to it, what makes you choose to make your lures in these particular colors? Um, where, where does your, your, your motivation comes as far as making these colors and naming them? Cause you have some of the greatest names for the colors. <laughs> well, one, um, is the, the color and the flake patterns and everything that I kind of do is, I guess, like I said, I draw from my experience and, uh, look at other lures and such. And I kind of look at the amount of flakes they have, uh, kind of the way they, their flakes look. Um, in general, I always like to try to create a most natural looking flake pattern if I can in the lures. Um, so that's kind of where I kind of have, I kind of have like a little recipes with it. Uh, you know, kind of my mixtures, kind of like when you're cooking, when you're cooking anything, mm-hmm. you got this amount of salt, this amount of pepper, all that stuff. That's kind of how I have it. Uh, you know, over the years I've refined the colors, but, uh, so I just kind of draw from experience. You know, I, I, I look at the colors, uh, how this color is going to reflect in dark water, uh, stained water, how it's going to look in clear water, how it's going to look you know, in, in the various shades of water you're going to encounter. Cause you'd be surprised. You would I always give an example of like, uh, I have a color called red night and it's just black with red flakes. I have a test tank here mm-hmm. at my shop and even with crystal clear water in the tank and just, a, you know, a led light above it to light up the tank. If I drop, when you look in your hand, you basically see, you know, a mostly black bait with little red specks. You drop it in the water, mm-hmm. and then now the reds from the light, just with crystal clear water, the red specks come, they pop out more. So then the dominant color is actually mostly red with a with, with basically a black profile, you can say. So I'll, I kind of try to pull from a science standpoint with the colors too, you know. So I kind of keep that in mind. Uh, now... And a good example with the colors, my watermelon red might be a little darker than, let's say, you know, let's say a Zoom watermelon red or any other companies that might sell all around because, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to meet in the middle of a good spectrum of, of, uh, of darkness, you could say, for the guys that might fish further up north in the clearer waters versus the guys that meet for, fish further south in the darker waters. So in South Louisiana, Commonly, you know, our water is a little more stained than obviously like, let's say, further up north, like in uh, the Great Lakes where it's crystal clear, you know. So mm-hmm. my watermelon red, like the color is a little darker. And that seems to help out because, uh, you know, I'm trying to kind of cater to our our fishermen in, in our region where we're from. So, you know, that's kind of also the... the the ideas behind the certain colors, you know, trying to trying to make the uh, the colors from what what's good for our waters and a kind of a common ground for Louisiana fishermen. And with but even with that said, because of that, 
I mean, I have anglers from all over the country that have been using them, you know, even Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, all that, all, basically all over that, you know, always comment on the cuff because they say it works really well for where they're fishing versus something they've been using for a while, you know. So, um, so I, you know, basically when I'm selecting colors and trying to come up with colors, I always try to pull from my experience from a scientific standpoint. Um, you know, when I, when I kind of started designing the baits, I was always researching fish. You know, it was always, it was always in my mind that if I can understand the science behind the bass and their patterns and why they bite this, why they don't bite this, then I can create a good bait. So, you know, I pull from the, try to think about the science standpoint of it and, uh, and then the action and then kind of come up with the colors. And then, you know, we're, we're Cajun lure. So the names of our colors, we're trying to, we, we keep it Cajun as possible. You know, so we, uh, we got a couple, like we got Boudin is one color we got, which from South Louisiana, Boudin is like a, it's almost like a delicacy. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a food we eat. Uh, it's like a pork grinded up with onions and all that. And you can eat it for breakfast or you can eat it for dinner. And, uh, so anyway, I got a color and that color actually. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Marcus, he had called me. He's like, we need to make a color that looks like boudin. It's like, hmm, I like that idea. So I kind of saw a little color in a store and it gave me the idea. So one day I came in the shop and kind of made it and it looked like boudin, you know? And I was like, oh, you got a, got a little boudin color here. You know, it's kind of cool. And, uh, so that, you know, it looked like boudin. And then I gave it to some of my buddies, man, y'all try it out, you know, see if it's a good color. Then they start sending me pictures of fish they're catching with it and everything. And I'm like, oh, it actually does work. So that's how we came up with Boudin. And, uh, and then we got another color called Gumbo. That's a real good color. That's a good, uh, pre-spawn spring, uh, color. Um, uh, mm -hmm. so instead of watermelon red, you know, we call it watermelon rouge. So it's all kind of like a, all kind of like a spin off of uh you know the cajun our cajun heritage and our culture down here and you know my, my my idea behind it is that you know hopefully one day we'll get bigger and grow and all that and you know, we're down here in south louisiana but they might have a guy say in uh new york or something that might find a pack of cajun lures and be like huh what is this color and you know the next thing you know he's kind of he's kind of saying uh some speaking Cajun French or saying a Cajun uh, phrase and he might not even know it, you know, but now, now, you know, he, he found our base and we're giving him a little taste of South Louisiana. Well, I have to tell you, my favorite color is a Bayou bug. It's, uh, I think that's the one. Let me make sure it's, it's purple and, and with a, a greenish belly. I want to say that's a Bayou bug. Right? The Bayou bug is our beaver style bait, but the color I think you're referring to is our swamp magic. Oh, so, swamp magic. Yeah. Yeah, swamp, that's what I'm saying. Swamp Magic is a color. And the, and the Bayou Bug is my favorite. Yeah, that's right. The Swamp Magic is my favorite color that you have. It's for, we fish a little similar to what you guys fish here in, in, in Louisiana. I'm down here in, in Central Florida and we have some murky, muddy water as well. A little darker than some other, you know, areas. And 
that is my go-to color. So when I saw it in the Bayou book, I'm like, that's the one. That is it. That's going to catch all my saltwater and freshwater fish mm-hmm. here locally. So that's my favorite color that you have. Yeah, it's a pretty good color. That's kind of one of our newer colors that I started making uh, later last year. And uh, it's been a pretty color. It's been, for us over here, it's been effective for both bass and uh, even catching redfish in the marsh. So I'm pretty happy with it. And that's one of the tops I want to get to, but we're going to take a quick commercial break right now. I hear from the sponsors of the podcast, but when we come back, I want to touch on a couple of the lures that you have and get your, your ideas and your thoughts on how a lure could be effective for both saltwater and freshwater fishing because we have quite a few listeners that actually do bass fishing and fish for redfish and some other fish species. So I want to you know pick your brain a little bit about that, but we're going to take a quick break before we come back for all of that. Hey everyone, Aaron here from Wu Tungsten. We get asked all the time, why did we call it Wu Tungsten? What we did is we wanted a brand that we could have some fun with. We're anglers ourselves building a brand in a community for other anglers around an amazing product. We were super tired of spending a ton of money on high-end tungsten and having it chip after just half a day. We've got some of the toughest paint in the industry, some of the best weight designs that come from some of our elite anglers to make sure that we've got one of the best products at the best prices for you. At the same time, making a brand in a community that's going to make you yell woo on and off the water. We couldn't be more proud of what we've done. We love what we're doing, and you will too. Check us out, wootungsten.com. Stop buying cheap braid. Hey guys, this is Cody from FanaticTackle.com. Like many of you, I've spent thousands of dollars on braided fishing line in the past years, always looking for the best deal to get the job done. What I didn't realize was how much money I was wasting by having to repurchase more often than I should. Fanatic Pro Series braid is built to last. It doesn't fade or bleed, casts extremely well, and is highly abrasion resistant. So you can spend less time buying and more time on the water. Go to FanaticTackle.com to pick up braid that is built for performance angling. Alright, let's face it. Fishing apps are popping up everywhere, but they're here to stay. I've tried my fair share of them, and along the way, I found Angler. Angler is like a combination of all of my favorite fishing tools under one roof. Angler has taken my boat electronics, weather reports, fishing logbook, and a whole community of other like-minded fishermen and placed it all inside my smartphone, tablet, and desktop for free giving me a powerful fishing tool to record, learn, compete, and collaborate with other serious anglers. Look, Angler's not just another fishing app. It allows me to connect optional Bluetooth devices that keep me off my phone and record all the fishing information for me. I've been fishing with the Angler Bullseye for over two months now, and I've recorded all of my catches and waypoints by just clicking the Bullseye button. It's that simple to get all the fishing information I need. I just focused on fishing, and Angler did the rest. The best part is that all of the information that I did record is completely private and saved securely on my Angler account. So are you ready to give it a try? Just head over to angler.com. That's A-N-G-L-R.com. 100% free to join, 100% free to use. All right, Zach, so we're back now, and I want to talk to you about a topic that um, I tend to think about quite often because I fish for both redfish and bass here locally. Um, so when you're building a new lure and you're design, designing it, does it come into consideration that the lure should be 
versatile enough to where you could fish it for different species of fish? Or do you looking do you look for it to be just a, a, a bass catcher? Well, a lot of times well, it's kind of a bit of both really. Um you know, if I'm if I'm creating a lure, most of the time I wanna I'm targeting a specific species. Uh, you know, let's say speckled trout or redfish, I wanna create something that is gonna look like the you know, similar to the fridge that they're eating in uh, wherever they're at. And that's for one is going to have an action that those species might, you know, that have that enticing action for those species. But a lot of times we'll make lures and stuff that end up being pretty good crossover lures. For example, the, our Kraken Craw, we started making that and Obviously, you know, we intended it and made it for bass fishing, you know, to have a, a good um, erratic claw action uh, lure for bass fishing that a bass angler can use for punching, Texas rig, Carolina rig, you know, make it reversal for bass fishing. But then after a while, I kind of, a lot of guys who redfish a lot that I know around where I live were, you know, they were buying them and they kept saying, well, yeah, we've been using them for redfish. I was like, wow, okay, that's interesting. And what they were saying was that they were basically using them for redfish because it kind of mimics kind of mimics a, a crab, you know, and the redfish will eat crabs out in the marsh. Um, so they were kind of fishing in multiple ways. They would kind of work it off the bottom, uh, you know, to kind of like a little crab swimming along the bottom, or they would just basically swim it back to the boat and let the let the claw action kind of uh, you know swim, and then you know they were catching redfish like, and so when that was the case, what we what I started kind of doing, I started making some colors that were kind of more geared towards redfish rather than just bass. Um, so like you know bass fishing, you got your nat- more natural kind of colors, right? You know something to look like I said to the forage of what they're eating in that in the freshwater. So. But what's interesting with the redfish, uh, you know, the one, the natural color, they do work. But what I found was that the redfish, they kind of more feed on, I like to think they're like, well, I, I say the Louisiana redfish. Um, they're more like they, they're going to feed on the site. They're kind of like if you if you throw something bright and shiny by them, they're like, ooh, what's that? They're going to go try to, they're going to look at it, and if they're hungry, they're going to eat it, you know it's kind of a running joke, you know, some, you go find for us around here, you know, in the, the Louisiana marshes, there's so many redfish and the, and the marshes are just so plentiful with food that it's kind of a joke that, you know, when the redfish are really hungry, you can go throw a beer can and they'll eat that too, you know? So, uh, you know, what we did is we kind of made some colors that, uh, look like, you know, I have a color called blue crab, which is, uh, kind of a more natural crab look and uh that seems to be real popular and but we've also made some that were uh like gold we got one called uh rouge candy like kind of redfish candy and it's kind of like it's it's clear and it has a bright orange copper flakes and stuff just it basically almost looks like a gold spoon but in a crawfish version and we even have some that are pink and white that uh a friend of mine had wanted uh, catching redfish, and we called it the cabaret crawl. 
and you know pink and white you're kind of like well, what looks pink and white out there and and you nothing nothing looks pink and white but it's just a color that catches their attention and the way the sunlight hits it and everything and certain colors of water it it really you know it really pops for redfish see it and they it's just a color they like to use so you know t- typically if i can make i mean i always try to strive when i'm designing a lure if i can strive you know without kind of without kind of i guess sticking away from what the bait what i really want the bait to be you know uh i i try to make a lure that can catch multiple species of fish if i can you know um so and you know with the case of the crack and crawl that was kind of you know, I was like, well, that's pretty cool. You know, obviously it's targeted for bass fishermen, but now the redfish guys like it too. And we've even even had some guys catch a couple speckled trout on it in the marsh. So, so in my opinion, it, it'll catch everything. Oh, yeah. Good deal. Well, I have a question about the bayou bug, and it's a general question. Um, for the people who are listening to the podcast and they want to go to your website and they check out the Bayou Bug. In your words, why should they choose the Bayou Bug and why should they throw it versus another creature bait of another brand? Uh, well, there's a lot of different things, too. Um, besides the design specifically uh, and the profile of the bait, but um, w- one thing that we kind of do, I mean, I, you know, I'm pouring the baits myself. I'm creating creating all this at my little shop here at my house. And um, one thing that some baits do, they do a lot of is uh, they'll, they'll put a lot of salt in their bait. I don't really do salt. So it's I, my baits are like straight plastic, uh, which one makes it more buoyant, but also two being that it's more plastic, they'll kind of last longer as well. Um, sometimes, which, you know, but in some situations you may want salt in the bait and in some situations you, you may not. Um, I kind of commonly find as much as I fish and as much as other people fish around here, you know, most guys, you don't really need the salt per se, unless you throw in like a, let's say a weightless Cinco, you know, you want, you want to have all that salt for the, to weigh it down. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, and so what happens is it makes the plastic more buoyant too. Uh, so which means that it'll actually kind of have a one it'll have a slower fall and two when it hits the bottom it'll want to stand up more than if it had salt or any other kind of uh, additives in it which might want to make it sink so that's that's kind of and that goes for all the baits that we make um so that's kind of one thing and it's just you know i, I kind of put more in you know there's more like i said more science into the lure rather than just kind of you could say run of the meal, shooting them, pumping them out. You know, I'm kind of, I'm thinking about everything that I can to manufacture this bait to do what I intended to do. So if that means I may want salt or not salt, or I may want this, I may want that, you know, I make sure to add it to the bait. So one, so that's one thing to consider. Um, and then two, the body bug, uh, it, it's it's a good profile I find, and I think it, it makes it, it's a good mix of. To me, when I fish it, I also don't like to think of it, you know, of just like let's say just a beaver style bait, right? Uh, and I say beaver style because, 
you know, everybody commonly refers to those baits as like, you know, everybody refers to the sweet beaver. So that's like the common bait most people know, which is like the staple flipping bait. Um, so I find, but thinking about it and fishing it over time, doing certain colors, I've also thought about rather than looking, trying to look like a uh, kind of slow action, no action type crawfish looking bait, I find it also looks like a uh, a brim, you know, uh, or a little a little bait brim bait fish that the bass might feed on. So thinking about it like that, I've kind of tried other techniques to fish it other than let's just say putting it on a flipping hook and fishing it flipping. I've, we've experimented, put it on a uh, chatter bait. We've put it on, you know, Carolina rigs, just any little thing where I can make it kind of look like a little brim. And we've been having a lot of success doing that, you know, fishing wise. So, and and with the bite bug, you can you can versatile as far as you can fish it, making it look like different ways because it has just the right amount of action for those various techniques. Whereas some of the baits on the market, they won't have the right kind of action you need to do those various techniques. You know, it's kind of kind of like you just get this one, you know, which, whatever, whichever brand you might find that one, and all you can really do is flip with it but you can't make it versatile. So I always try to, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I try to, if I can make it pretty versatile, you know, I try to keep an open mind of how I fish certain baits. I try to make a bait as versatile as possible. So that's why I like the body bug, you know, it's not just a, not just a beaver bait, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a really good product. I love the, the bulkiness of the arms that you have on there. It really gives it a, a different action than a regular, you know, beaver style bait. It, it really, you know, it, it stands it apart from the rest. I should say. I've had customers come to me like at shows and stuff that, you know, commonly have throughout their lives or throughout their fishing fishing time, they've been throwing, you know, other beaver style lures, and they bought mine and tried them out, and they've actually commented a lot on the rate of fall with it as well. And I think that could be because of the bulkiness. And I think it also kind of goes back to what I was saying about the buoyancy. And uh, they've commented on because it has a slower rate of fall. You know, like let's say you have a quarter ounce weight on any given beaver style bait. And you have a quarter ounce on the body bug. The body bug is actually going to fall a little slower. So if you flip it into a bush or a tree, you know, a little uh, sometimes a little slower rate of fall could make the difference between getting bit and not getting bit. So, you know, Definitely. that's something to think about as well. Now, the Kuyan Croaker, that's my favorite lure that you make now. And it's getting into that time now where a lot of anglers are going to be uh, fishing a topwater lure a lot more or uh, a toe-style lure. So let's you talk about that. The design of it is different from a typical uh, toad or, or frog lure. So where did the design come from? How did the idea for the Kuyan Croaker come to be? Well, um, Kuyan Croaker is one of my favorite lures personally, and it's my favorite one to talk about. It was one of the first from scratch original original designs that we did um basically kind of once i got started um you know i had more just a couple the bite bugs uh at the time i had a different crawl and you know more of just kind of your general flipping style type lures you know such and such and everybody was always asking they wanted a uh a frog lure you know so Commonly in the frog lures, what's on the market and such, uh, 
in soft plastics, you know, because I'm making soft plastics in frog lures. Uh, you know, everybody fishes a hollow body, and hollow body frogs are great. Um, so I was looking around in the soft plastic uh, spectrum of, you know, what's out there and such. And first of all, I wanted a more realistic looking frog from an action standpoint. And so what was what's commonly out on the market is just, I, I guess you could say, just buzzing style frogs uh, with, you know, they have a frog body and just kind of straight legs with kind of just paddles on the on the feet. And, um, you know, we're and pretty much just the way you most the best way you can fish those things is just buzzing them on top of the wall. So. And with my experience of fishing a hollow body frog, sometimes if you're buzzing a frog, you know, moving across the surface of the water, they may not want to eat it. Sometimes they want it kind of sitting in front of them and walking side to side, you know, or, or just kind of not moving a lot. And, you know, so with a hollow body frog, you, you can be kind of versatile with it, right? So what I, I, I kind of got on YouTube and, and like I said, I wanted something more natural looking. Um, it's kind of like looking how frogs, I never even thought about it. it. It never even occurred to me my entire life. I was like, how does a frog swim underwater? I went on YouTube and watched a couple of videos. So I was like, hmm, okay. So I basically, uh, I just kind of got to work and started design, started working on different editions uh, of, of the frog and kind of started with a few little designs. Kind of started out with just straight feet, buzzing style and, and such. And kind of just refined it over time and it was at one point me and my buddy Andre he was at my house helping me make some baits and we were in my neighbor's swimming pool playing with one little version I had done and just kind of the way the legs were uh kind of working it kind of a light bulb went off in my head and I was like oh I got a great idea and so I kind of we kind of cut up some old bait some old plastic I had laying around and kind of with an exacto knife kind of made some little legs and feet and uh heated them up and kind of pieced it together and uh threw that in the pool and it kind of had the and now it had more of the action what i was wanting and andre had made the comment like wow that looks just like a real frog and i was like yeah you're right and so from there i just kind of started refining the design of it to uh kind of get more closer to what i want what i wanted and get that final design and uh that's how we came up with the uh the Kuyon croaker and it's basically it's a versatile frog in the fact that you can buzz it on top of the surface you can swim it underneath the surface of the water it's got great buzzing action but you know like i said sometimes when you're fishing they may not want to hit the top water right well you can fish it subsurface or swimming along the bottom and the idea behind it is you can kind of jerk your rod you know, like a slow jerkbait cadence, and the legs will kind of pump in and out, just like a, a real frog will swim underneath the water. When a frog swims, it kicks its, it kicks its legs out, it pushes itself, and it pushes its legs back in and then pushes itself again, you know? That's how a frog swims. So the way that the legs curl up with the, with the couillon, as well as the big, uh, the big paddle tail feet on the back of the legs, 
it, it creates that action. And, you know, I just, when we saw it in the water, I was like, wow, that's, that's it. You know, that's, that's, this is going to be a real cool. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a versatile frog to where, you know, like I said, when they may not be hitting the top water, you can still fish it and you, you don't have to just buzz it. You can fish it under the water. You can fish over submerged grass. You can fish it over beds. You can fish it through stumps, any of that. And you can basically keep a frog tied on and still catch them on it. And uh, so that's how I got the Kuyon Croaker. And what was interesting was that uh, a friend of mine has a pond not far from my house. It's a real nice pond. It's got submerged grass and everything. So it's a real good place to go test bait. And we went over there, and this was like February, so it was kind of early for frog fishing. We went over there, I got my prototype molds in, had a couple of buddies with me, we shot them, went to the pond, started fishing them, and next thing you know, we were buzzing them on top and all that, and the fish were just exploding on it. It was crazy. I was like, wow, it's, it works, you know? And for me, that was the that was the big you know, that was the thing that I wanted. I wanted them to hit it on top water. And so to me, it was kind of like whenever I, I saw that first fish blow up on it like that, like that was my, you know, that's the initial, that's what I want to see, you know, because frog fishing is, is fun. So the main bite that I wanted in the Kuyon was a good top water explosion. And when that first, I, I had my camera and my buddies were fishing it. And when that first fish hit it, I was like in my, I had a rush of excitement. I was like, oh my God, it worked. They hit it, it exploded on it. And we were all like, oh man, you know? So it was like validation for me right away. Like it worked. So it was kind of cool. So we like, we did that, went to the podcast and made like a little video with just the prototypes we had. And at the time I was kind of like, I was, I was getting the molds made, uh, the molds were getting cut for me. And uh, well, it was cool because I was going to release it at our sportsman show in March uh, that we were having. So, so what I did, I put it online and I did a pre-sale with it and uh, a pre-order on the website. And, you know, before I even made the first one, all I had was a couple, uh, you know, a few little pictures of some colors that I shot in the prototype mold just to know what colors I was going to do. I put it on the website for pre-order and all that. And we had, you know, that following week was the show the following weekend and the whole weekend before, I mean the week before during the pre-orders, I basically, we made enough pay for the molds and pay for everything we needed to make the frog. And it was crazy. I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. You know, that's like real that's what you want you know as a bait maker is you obviously want to make a good bait and you want people to buy it and you know if you can at least pay for your mold and pay for everything then that's pretty good and we did all that in a week before i even actually made the first frog you know the official you know batch of kuyon croaks you know and uh and it was real crazy because we you know we put the little video on facebook and everybody was like wow that's something unique and uh, you know, they never seen that before. So, and it's kind of, to me, it's kind of, uh, I like to think of it also as like a saving grace. Cause at the time, you know, we had just came out with the frog. Uh, my wife and I also 
got married, and that was also where I kind of first got to test out the frog, too, was in uh, Toho uh, on our honeymoon, and we went fishing. Uh, so I got to test it out in Florida waters, and it worked. So <laughs> for the Florida guys, you know. Uh, so we were on our honeymoon, and we went fishing with Chuck Pippen, and I was showing him the frog, and he liked it, too, and uh, so I fished it and uh, caught some fish on it out there on our little guide trip that we had with him. And uh, so anyway, we went on our honeymoon, got married, all that. Uh, worked for a week, and then this was, I was working in Lafayette, and this is kind of the time when the oil field kind of slowed down. I worked for a boat design engineering company, and it worked out slow. So I ended up getting laid off. And, you know, it was a bummer, obviously. You know, I kind of went to school, got me a job, was making bass on the side, all that stuff. Uh, so I was fortunate to follow that. But, you know, it happens. Sometimes that happens. And... Mm-hmm. He just came out with the frog, and all of that had happened. And we went to the sportsman show, and I made, I must have made at least, I must have made at least a thousand packs of frogs to go to the show with. Because I knew the size of my pre orders I already had, you know, before I even made the first one. And we went to the show, and we sold out of every single pack of frogs we had over there. And it, so I was like, wow. So, in a way, not only is the frog, uh, the Kuyon croaker, you know, a very good lure and everybody loves it. it to me, it's kind of like what, 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 what helped me get started, you know, in my business full time and grow, you know, and get everything going, you know, waking up the next day after I get laid off or coming into the shop and starting making baits, you know, it, so to me, the frog, I like it, you know, it was a gift from God kind of helping me get that idea and just the way things fell into place, you know? So, so that's why it's a very special Lord of me. So, uh, you know, so it's got a lot of meaning to it other than being a good frog lure. So, but, uh, well, for the fishing folks who's listening right now, I'm going to put some video on social media so they can take a look at it. But when you look at this frog, it, of course it buzzes on top of the water extremely well, but when you put it sub surface and you, 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 you know, pop that rod tip, it literally looks just like a fish. I'm um, excuse me, a, a, a frog swimming. And it, it's just amazing how it looks and the action that it has. It is by far my favorite you no know, frog lure now. I don't think I ever pick up a hollow, hollow body frog again because I don't need to because this lure is, is amazing. So I think you hit it out, out of the ballpark. I appreciate that. That's, that's exactly the response I wanted. So I'm glad I'm glad you said that. But let, let's talk about how you rig it. I mean, I have been using a double frog hook to rig it, but how do you rig your uh your your croaker. Um, well, basically, any you can you can use multiple ways to rig it. Um, t- commonly, what I'll do is any kind of hook. Uh, I like to use uh, I say a swim bait hook, but what I mean is like a, a any kind of hook that might have a weight weighted uh, belly to it, but with the screw lock, to where you can screw the screw lock into the nose, and and uh, to where you know. When the bot, when the fish bites it, the body can collapse and the screw lock kind of gives the bait kind of, kind of gets, puts it on a swivel basically and you can get better hook sets on it. But any kind of hook that's a four out size fits the body real well. Uh, sometimes if you get the five out, the five out's just a little too long, but the four out size fits 
perfect for the uh couillon but you can use a double hook with the screw lock on it or you can use a single hook i'll commonly typically i'll if i if i know i'm going to be buzzing it on top of the surface i'll go with the double hook just because you can get better hookups like that um but if i know that if there's grass that's real matted and i kind of want to keep it more buoyant uh keep it on the surface a lot better not have so much weight on it i'll just use a, a non-weighted four-out screw lock uh, single hook and and that'll help it keep light you know and i can you can kind of pass it over lily pads and uh you know real matted grass that way um so those those are two common ways to fish it um now i'll, I'll also use another single hook that has like a belly weight i like to use one that has about a quarter ounce weight and I'll use that for when I'm trying to fish it, um, you know, subsurface, like over submerged grass or anything like that, you know, under the water, like I was talking about, where you can kind of jerk it and let the legs, you know, kick like a frog swim. Um, so I'll use that. And I mean, I've, I've, we've also had guys even Texas rig it. I've heard of guys Texas rigging it, uh, fishing off the bottom. And like when you, you know, when you pop it like a Texas rig, the legs will, they'll kick. Uh, kind of it creates action. I've had guys Carolina rig it. I've even had guys punch with it, and they've been successful punching with it. So it's you know it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, obviously the common ways people are going to get it and pick it up, they're going to fish it like they would normally. Uh, you know, any kind of soft plastic frog. But uh, one thing to keep in mind with it, you know, a lot of people when they see it, they kind of you know with the legs, the legs are a little bit longer. And, you know, you common frogs, this and that. So a lot of people, you know, they kind of, they'll kind of, they might, it might kind of turn them away or they may think that just because, uh, you know, where they might fish, if they tend to bite smaller baits, they might not eat it. But the way it works, because it's kind of versatile, a great example, I fish a place called Henderson, which is uh, nearby, uh, basically a part of that Chafalaya Basin. Well, commonly over there in Henderson, they do eat, you know, you could fish a frog, uh, but they only eat the smaller profile frogs, right? So, and it does with the larger legs and everything. So one time, and this is kind of what triggered me uh, after it kind of happened, what made me realize how versatile it was. I was fishing it, I was buzzing it in some grass, and I had a lot of fish that kept swiping at it. And... They kept swiping at it, and then I started thinking, man, they're not they're not eating it. But that, you know, like I said, I try to keep an open mind when I'm fishing. And I was like, man, they're not eating it. What's the deal? But then I was thinking, well, that's correct. They aren't eating it. They're not trying to eat it. They're not trying to eat it and swallow it. You know, bass don't eat frogs. They try to kill frogs. So they'll bite it and try to crush it with their gills in order to kill it. But they're not going to swallow it and eat it. You know, it's not a food they digest. It's not a piece of forage so i was thinking about that and i was like that's right they're not eating it. so what i was thinking was all they were trying to do is i'm passing it over kind of shallow kind of beds where they're at so what i did i was like okay they're probably just trying to stun it right they're just they're swiping out with their tail just trying to they're trying to tell the frog go away you know get out of here my house you know so i was like okay now i get it they're just trying to stun it so I'm buzzing it on top, a fish, the next fish swipes at it. 
As soon as he swiped at it, I just stopped stopping altogether. I let the frog sink. I counted to about three seconds. I let the frog sink underneath the water. Like, you know, it was still itself. And then I started twitching it. Started twitching in the water. And like about two little twitches in there, boom, the frog, the fish hits it. I, next thing I know, I caught five fish all in that little area doing that same exact technique. And what made me realize was, okay, now I get it. They may not hit it. You know, if the, it's going to be a smaller fish, you may not want to eat the whole thing, right? They might just try to do, like I said, just try to stun it and kill it because they not they don't want to commit to the size of it. But if you do, like I just said, kind of stop, you know, and it's going to take some uh, some practice, you know, because everybody, when that first fish bites it, you know, you're going to be quick to set the hook. So it's going to take one or two bites until oh, yeah. you can calm down enough and do it. But as soon as you do that, and, you know, start twitching underneath the water, they come back and hit it every time. And I've been doing that quite a bit. And it's not even it's not even the fact that it's small fish want to eat it. The big fish will do that, too. It's just sometimes they may not want to commit to biting a lure, you know, the, the, depending on their mood. You know, they may not actually want to – they may not be hungry or want to hit top water real aggressive. They may just want to swipe at it just to say, hey, I know you're here. Get out of here, you know. So uh, it's just something to keep in mind, you know, when you're a versatile frog, so you don't have to just buzz it. You can swim it. And, you know, like I said, keeping the scientific part of the bass, their habit, their behavior, keeping that in mind and knowing how to fish your lure because you know the action of it and everything, you know, then that helps a lot when you're out there on the water. So that's something to keep in mind with the Cunyon Croker too. It's not, it's not, you know, if you if you feel like the fish aren't going to eat it, they're going to eat it. You just got to fish it right, you know? Good deal. Well, Zach, you, you've motivated me. I want to go outside right now and fish the Kulon Croker some more, so I'm going to let you go. Um, I do appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and telling us a story about Cajun lures and, and how you design the lures and, and talking about some of the lures that you have on the market. But before you go, um, tell the listeners where they can learn more about Cajun lures how to can purchase a couple of bags if they want to. Well, you can visit our website at www.cajunlures.com. Uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube channel as well. Uh, you can learn a lot. We try to post as much information on our website as possible that teaches everyone about the lures and how to fish them and things. And, uh, you know, so you can keep up with us through Facebook and all the various social media channels. And, uh, we, you know, we're, we're here to we're here to help more people fish and catch more fish. If, you, if you're just getting started into fishing, I want to make a bait that's going to help you catch fish and get excited and hooked into fishing. And if you already fish a lot and you already catch a lot of fish, I want to help you catch more fish. So, you know, that's 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 really the whole meaning behind Cajun Lures. So I, uh, I hope everyone can grab them a pack and try out and have a good day on the water. All right, Zach, thanks again for coming on the podcast and sharing your fishing knowledge for us to consume. I really do appreciate it. Guys, be sure to follow him on social media and check, check out Cajun Lures and that new Kuyan Croker. It is one of the best lures I have tested out in a long time. But before you go, make sure you follow us on social media, The Fisherman's Journal on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and to our website, thefishermansjournal.com, for all your latest and greatest fishing news and information. But until next time, fishing folks, tight lines and big fish.